Level the Pursuit is a podcast for people ready to make the most of every opportunity. In the race to success, we're not all starting from the same place. Level the Pursuit seeks to fill in the gaps and provide accessible, bite-sized leadership lessons for anyone looking to improve their skills and prepare for the next step, whatever that might be. Last week, we talked about how to neutralize toxic leadership and followership. Toxicity in our lives stifles productivity and kills morale. We have to be able to recognize toxic behaviors and address them with a positive attitude and an open mind. Did you notice any toxic behaviors in yourself or someone around you? Did you offer some tips to someone you care about or think about cutting your own bad habits in half? If you didn't, keep looking for opportunities. Toxicity isn't everywhere, but it can be really subtle and it just gets stronger and more prevalent if you don't meet it head on. Now, I did get some feedback that Last week's podcast was focused a little bit more on followership than leadership, and that was intentional. A lot of us as we start out are going to be in that role more than we're going to be in the leadership role, and so I wanted to talk about that first. But if you would like to hear more about leadership and followership, please let me know. I'm happy to hit those a little bit more in depth and see what we can find out. Today we're going to talk about putting your best foot forward as you approach your next step. We've been talking about communication and feedback, but what if you're just now trying for a better job or a new opportunity? We're going to talk about some common, practical, and maybe not so obvious tips for getting you set up to get ahead. Over the next week, take stock of your current situation. Are you happy with your job or your course of study? If you are, make sure your goals are up to date and you're feeling good about them. If not, spend some time thinking about your alternatives. If you're thinking about a change, you're ready. Now we just need to make a plan to get there. So you've decided to make a change, what do you do first? Well, you've figured out your field, so now you need to figure out what jobs are appropriate for what you're trying to accomplish right now. So that's not just what will help keep you moving forward, but it's also what fits your lifestyle right now. So is it local or would you have to move? Can you make enough money in order to support your family at the current level that you would be qualified for. So you need to look at all of those things. You can use job search websites. If you know people in the industry, you can reach out to them. And a lot of certification bodies will have information on their websites on how to break into their fields. So as you look at these opportunities, you need to look at what you're qualified for, but also which positions have some room for growth. You don't need to have all of the qualifications for the job that you're applying for. Most people recommend 70 to 75% of the qualifications. I think you can get away with a little bit less, especially if you have skills from other jobs that translates, like hospitality translates to HR and things like that. So find jobs that have that you have a lot of the qualifications, but not necessarily all of them. Now keep in mind, some of them may be deal breakers. You know, if Spanish speaking is a qualification because it's a job in Guatemala and you don't speak Spanish, even though it's just one, it may end up being a deal breaker. So just be aware of that, but look and see, because you want to find things that will give you opportunity to grow, to learn some new skills, and to make contacts in other areas of your field. Once you figure that out, make a list and put them all in one spot so that you can keep an organized catalog of all of your jobs in one place. Because some of them may like to be contacted in different ways, they may have different application periods, you want to be able to put their contact information all in one spot. So create a spreadsheet so you have it all in one spot. And then apply widely. Apply to every place that remotely sounds like a good job for you. Now, if you don't want to do it, don't apply. But if it's even close to what you're looking for, it's a good idea to apply because it also gives you opportunity to meet new people and to practice your interview skills. So when it comes time to actually submit your applications, 
job search websites are really helpful. Indeed, Monster, all of those things, but they shouldn't be the only place you look because those platforms are so easy that a lot of jobs will get hundreds of applications for just one position. So unless you distinguish yourself and they choose to read all of the applications, it can be harder to, to get chosen through those. Obviously, they use them. That's why they're out there. So it's not a waste of time to do that. But if it's a position that you're really excited about, it may not be the only way that you want to get your foot in the door. So you may want to reach out to the company to find if they're using other methods for applications. Now, a paper application or anything you're submitting hard copy, you want that to look professional. So if you can type it, absolutely do that. If anything has to be handwritten, it's helpful to practice it somewhere else first so that you have everything in line. So if you have you know, your previous jobs, your references, all that stuff. Make sure your addresses and phone numbers are correct. Make sure everything's in the right order and then transfer it onto the application so it looks really neat and proper. And again, check your spelling, make sure that's all good to go. Look through their application and their job posting and their application process to make sure that you are submitting all the documents that you need and that you're doing things the way they want. If they want it submitted electronically, do it that way. If they want it hand delivered, do that. But it's a great way to get yourself shot out of the water to start off with if you can't follow instructions before you even get your foot in the door. When it comes time to actually creating your resume or your curriculum vitae, which is what we use in the sciences, it's also called a CV, you need to check your formatting. Every industry is a little different, so you wanna make sure that you follow the rules that they have. You wanna be on the conservative side, so that means white paper, black ink, and a conservative font like Times or Courier. And then if you know someone in the industry, see if you can borrow their resume or their CV and use it as a template so you know what they're looking for. But you want to be um, very neat, very professional, and make sure that everything is according to the standards for the industry. As you fill it out, be honest. Don't lie. Don't make anything out. Don't, don't embellish. Um, and, but make sure it shows your range. It should show the scope of the jobs you've had and all the responsibilities, especially if you've led people or projects, you wanna include that. And any accomplishments that you've had, you wanna highlight that. Especially things that were not necessarily in your job description. I mean, you can work at McDonald's, but if you helped lead a fundraiser over the summer, put that on there because that's a, a, an accomplishment that shows something outside your regular scope of duties, shows you're willing to take charge, you're willing to volunteer and help out the team. Those are really positive, so you wanna include that. You wanna explain any gaps in your resume. You shouldn't have gaps, um, but life happens and sometimes you do. It could be personal things. You could have taken time off to follow a partner. You could have taken time off to take care of a sick relative. All of those things, you could have had some personal issues that were working was just not the right fit for you. That's totally fine, but you need to explain that because that is a red flag on most resumes and applications. You wanna make it short, a resume or CV, um, most people will say front and back is fine. I will tell you as someone who's had to review these, if it's important, make sure it's on the front because not everybody's willing to read the back. Um, it has to be pretty awesome for people to read the entire back. So if you want people to see it, put it on the front. You also wanna tailor it for each of the different jobs that you're applying for. They'll have different qualifications. So you wanna highlight different things make it match what they're looking for. Have the job description out next to you as you're filling it out, as you're writing your cover letter so that you can use the words that they wanna see that you can specifically address the things that they're looking for. Make sure you're a good fit based on that job description. If you don't have any of the qualifications, I'm not saying you shouldn't apply, but be aware that they may not be willing to take a chance on you. So if that's the case, when you do your cover letter, which you must include with a resume or a curriculum vitae, 
address why you think that is, why you think that the skills you have meet their qualifications, even if it doesn't look like it. This, that's the opportunity for that. You can also fill in any gaps and highlight any cool things or explain any issues that you've had in that cover letter. That cover letter is the opportunity to really put a bow on your entire application and give them a reason to want to see you and bring you in to meet you. And this also needs to be properly formatted, one page, really neat, really professional, formal language. And so if you need help with that, get some help. Don't stumble through it alone. So once you've submitted everything, um, a few days later, you want to follow up and make sure they don't have any questions. Make sure that they um, received all of your documents, and if they didn't, make sure they get them. And then hopefully at that point, they'll try to schedule an interview with you, or they may contact you separately. Once you're ready for an interview, uh, one thing you need to do is check your social media. Most prospective employers are going to do that. They're going to Google you, they're going to look on Facebook and Instagram, and, and so if you have things on your pages that you would not want a prospective employer to see, you should hide them. I'm not saying you shouldn't be yourself, and I'm not saying you should be embarrassed about who you are, but if you have a lot of political posts, if you have a lot of pictures of you partying, all of those things can portray a particular personality type or a particularly particular image that may or may not be what that employer is looking for. So if you don't want them to judge you on things on, on one small piece of your personality, you might want to make your page private or clean it up so that you have a chance for them to meet all of you before they get to see these little individual parts of your personality. As you follow up with them, make sure you're nice to everyone. We've talked about this before. You don't know what people are going through, so it's bad karma to be ugly and add to their pain. But this person's also representing an organization that you want to be part of, and you don't know what their true role or scope of responsibility is. So be smart and don't be ugly to people. Also make sure that any contact, either from them or from you, you keep on your schedule because you want to keep track of when you're reaching out to them because you want to stay engaged, but you don't want to bug them. And there's a fine line between being persistent and being kind of a phone stalker. So don't do that. But so keep track of when you're contacting them so you can be sure that you're not going over the top. When it's time to actually schedule your interview, there's research that shows the best time for interviews is the middle of the week, like Tuesday and Wednesday, and that it's the middle of the interview block. You don't want to go first. You don't want to go last. You don't want to go right around lunch, all of those things. And they make sense, but you may not have control over that. So do the best you can with that because a lot of companies will have mass interviews or they have a certain time of the week that they do it and so you have no control. So don't stress about it. In my opinion though, if you have a choice, choose the time that you're at your best. If you're not a morning person, don't choose the slot at zero dark 30. If you're the type of person that conks out right after lunch, maybe don't choose the one o'clock time spot. You know, choose the time that you can bring your A game so that even if their energy levels aren't great, you're going to be so awesome that they're not going to be able to help but recognize that. So now you have the interview, what's next? Well, you want to do a little bit of research. If the company is local, if you can go, go there, see the people going in and out of the building, the employees and the patrons. If you can go inside, if it's a customer service organization, see if you can, see if you can get inside and see how everyone dresses, how they interact. How you present yourself at that interview is going to set the tone, so you want to try to look like you are part of that organization. Um, if, if it's a place that you can't actually go into, Google them, find out what's going on, look at the company's website, see how the employees are dressed on the website, and see how the customers are dressed, because that's going to show you the type of feeling that they're trying to inspire in their clientele. When you do decide to put your outfit together, you want to dress one to two levels up from the level you are applying to. So if you're applying for retail, say you want to work at The Gap, 
Don't dress like a person working at the counter, dress like their manager. You wanna dress up from where you are. Um, in general, for almost everything else, a business suit is appropriate. So for men and male identifying people, um, that is black or navy blue suit. If you can't afford a suit or if you don't have one, it's totally appropriate to wear a sport coat or a blazer, um, a, a light colored shirt, white shirt and tie, and dark jeans and dark shoes. So you can actually look totally professional wearing a jacket, dark jeans, and black tennis shoes and look just as professional if everything is clean and in good shape um, than as you do in a business suit because it shows that um, that commitment. For females and female identifying people, a business suit is still appropriate either with a skirt or with slacks or you can wear a work appropriate dress or slacks in a cute blouse and, and that's all totally fine. Now when I say work appropriate, what I mean is it should fit you properly, it should be clean and it should not be excessively sexy. And that's obviously a judgment call, but you don't want to show cleavage. You want it to be long enough to go to the knee or below, and you don't want it to be too snug or to be see-through. And you want to wear appropriate undergarments so that when you walk in, your headlights aren't on and distract everybody. So being able to express yourself and being proud of your body is wonderful, but a job interview is not the place to show that off because it can distract from your competence and your intelligence if people are focused on your body. And is that right? No, it's not, um, but that's the way it is. So you wanna wear something that flatters your figure and makes you feel good and powerful, but is not so revealing as to be distracting to the person interviewing you. You also wanna make sure that your colors match. Again, the main pieces are usually black or navy blue. Um, you can wear a colored shirt, colored tie, scarf, uh, but you generally wanna keep it fairly conservative. If you're colorblind, have someone check out your colors before you leave just to make sure that everything matches. And make sure your clothes are clean and relatively wrinkle-free. So you should iron them or have them dry cleaned if you have access to that. Um, if you don't have access to that, if you hang them in the shower and let the, sh the, the steam grow, you can steam out quite a bit of wrinkles. Um, when you're traveling, that's a good little trick. But if you don't have money to buy new stuff, just wear stuff that's clean and appropriate. And if you, when in doubt, kind of think about church clothes, um, that's going to probably be on the right track because you're showing you're showing that you take pride in yourself and you're showing respect for the organization with how you dress. And so that's what you want to want to convey with how you show up that day. When it comes to grooming and makeup and hair, obviously we have cultural differences, but each industry does kind of have a baseline of what they're expecting. You wanna shower and exhibit good hygiene. When it comes to hair, you want to have it back up off your face. So even if you have a larger hairstyle, a natural hair, you still would like to make it so that they can see your face and create that connection with your facial expression. So you wanna have that back. I personally have big crazy curly hair and I've been told before that it looks not, not as professional when it's down which makes me want to wear it down <laughs> but honestly I've had so many jobs that it's better to have it back that it's just easier for me and I feel I feel more powerful and in control of having my hair back but if you like having your hair big and natural that's wonderful um, but just make it so that people can appreciate uh, the face uh, behind it and, and get to know you a little bit. If you have a beard or facial hair, if it's not the industry standard, um, obviously you should do what feels right for you, but you may want to clean it up or make it more conservative to match that. Uh, if you want to shave it off, you can absolutely do that. Um, if the industry that you're going into has a lot of people with facial hair, then go to it and enjoy it. I realize a lot of this may feel like it's saying you have to stifle who you are, but when we talk about joining an organization, a certain degree of conformity is expected and that may or may not be right but that's how it is and so when you when you show up 
by trying to show you're a little bit of conforming to the organization, you're showing that you respect their values and that you want to be part of this organization. If you, if everything about you screams, I am who I am, then it's harder for them to accept that you want to join the group and, and contribute to the group because you look like you want to be an individual. Individuality is wonderful and I think you should feel comfortable doing that. But when you're trying to enter a group, um, you're showing respect for it and you don't have to compromise yourself to show respect to someone else. So now it's interview day. You're going to want to wake up a couple hours before your interview so that you're completely awake and alert when you get there. As you prepare in the morning, go over the job description that you originally applied to, go over your application or your resume that you submitted to them so you're familiar with everything that they know about you. You also want to do some research about the company. Maybe you did this already, so you just want to go over it, but look at the company, look at their mission statement, look at their values, you know, see how the stocks are doing if you can, but also Google them that morning to see if there's been any recent news about them, or maybe you do this the day before, but see if there's been any recent news. See if the CEO's gotten in trouble. See if they did some big philanthropic project recently. All of those things will help you feel more comfortable when you go in because you'll feel like you know some more stuff about the company, but also they'll give you something to talk about during the interview if you need it. So once you're, you're good to go, go in early. Um, if you are in a strange city, I highly recommend that you drive your route or you figure out where it is the day before so you're very comfortable and you know any idiosyncrasies of the on-ramps or the one-way streets or all that good stuff. Um, if it's local, that's fine, but go early so that you have plenty of time to find parking. I know when I interviewed out of state, I would always drive it the day before to get an idea of the lay of the land, see how far I was going to have to walk in my heels, and if the weather was going to be bad, how far I was going to have to work, walk in the rain, and if I wanted to bring an umbrella. And so you want to pre-plan that so you know exactly what you're dealing with so you can be comfortable and not have to show up stressed out and sweaty. And if you have a physical disability or any difficulties, you also want to do that so you know how difficult it's going to be, if you need to make any allowances, if you're going to need extra time, if you need an elevator, make sure there is one. And so you can be prepared for that so you're not trying to scramble as soon as you get there. So we talked about the fact that your first impression starts with the application, but that day it starts from the moment you pull into the parking lot. So just be aware of that. You're on even in the parking lot because all of these people are your potential coworkers. When you get in, smile at the person checking you in, be polite to them, be nice to the other people applying. There may be multiple positions and you might all get hired and these could be your new coworkers. So don't see them as competition, see them as potential coworkers and be nice. When you go into the interview, go up to the interviewer, shake their hand, with a firm web-to-web -web handshake, look them in the eye, and then smile. If you're not a handshake person, that's totally fine, but keep in mind that a weak handshake or where you don't actually move your hand, it's just limp in their hand, is actually more of a negative, so it would be better if you really didn't shake hands at all. And if you would do a fingertip-only handshake, um, that's fine too for a lot of people, so you can do that as well. But if you're going to shake hands, shake hands firmly and confidently. Don't try to break their hand. It's not a contest. So then wait to be seated and sit down. Once you sit, think about your posture. You're not lounging at home. You're not watching a football game. You are at a job interview. So keep your back straight, make good eye contact, keep your hands gently in your lap. You know, you should have brought a copy of your resume with you or your application so that you have it in case there are any questions. So keep that gently in your lap and just rest your hands on top of it. As they ask you questions, Stop and think before you speak. Take a moment to think about your answer 
and then be honest. Ahead of time, you may practice some interview questions. There are tons of books and, and hints out there for that, but learn a little bit about the organization and think a little bit about what you can bring to the organization. If in your Google search you found that they're having particular issues in a certain area, maybe think about what you would do. These will give you opportunities to connect with the interviewer if you've done some research about the company. If you feel like it's not going well, take a second and regroup. If you say something stupid or if you inadvertently offend the interviewer, take a moment and then ask about it. It seems like the last thing I said may have offended you. Um, can we talk about that? You know, taking a moment to regroup and reflect can help you to move past it and actually save the interview. But if you, if tension's introduced and no one says anything, then it'll just go through the rest of the interview and that's the impression that you'll leave them with. A lot of times at the end of the interview, they'll ask you if you have any questions. So during your research, see some questions about the company. Have an intelligent question to ask about the company. This is not the time to ask about pay and benefits. You don't have the job yet. When they call back for a second interview or to offer you the job, then you can ask those questions. But right now you're just trying to get the job. So don't focus on that right now. When the interview ends, a lot of times they will give you an impression of whether it went well or went poorly. So they may say something like, this was great. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, we think you'd be a good addition to our team. You'll be hearing from us. Well, at that point, it's totally appropriate to ask when. You're still on a job search and you're still interviewing. So it's totally fine to say, that's wonderful. I'd love to be part of your team. When can I expect to hear from you? And if they tell you, you know, we're going to continue interviewing, we're going to make our decisions next week, then that's awesome. You can prepare for that. If they say, well, you know, we'll get back with you. We'll see if we have any more questions. They actually may not be as excited about you as you were hoping. And so that's good to know. You also may get negative feedback like, thanks so much for coming. I don't think this is going to work out, but we wish you the best. That happens sometimes and that's okay too. So thank them sincerely for their time because this was an opportunity to interview and this was an opportunity to learn more about yourself going through that process. But also ask them, you know, if you know there were aspects of your application that were already a deal breaker, that's fine. But if there weren't, ask them about your interview skills. This person does this for a living, so they may have some really good insight to help you for the next one. So sometimes when you go on interviews, especially depending on the industry, there may be additional events associated with the interviews. So there could be a cocktail hour the night before or a get together, or there could be a dinner. And so that can be a little stressful for people that are not used to doing something like that. Like I've said before, you know, when I went to college, I had never been at a place that had more than one fork. So that was a little stressful. So in general, don't stress about it. This is not a place that's usually going to make or break you unless you do something completely off the wall. And so just really, it's a place to kind of fly under the radar, get to see the organization's character, get to know a little bit more about the people, and make sure it's a group that you would fit into. So watch what other people do. Watch how they approach the food, watch the, how they interact with one another, you know, see, you can kind of get an undercurrent of who's who and what the clicks are and what the rules of engagement are socially in this organization. If there are foods that you don't eat, you have to decide how you want to approach that situation. Obviously, if you have an allergy and anaphylactic reaction, you don't want to put yourself in danger, so you need to bring that up. But if you have foods that you don't eat for philosophical or health reasons that are unrelated to, you know, anaphylaxis, it's just a choice that you've made, um, that's wonderful, but it may not be the place to point it out or make a big deal about it. So it's great to have those beliefs, um, but as you're trying to enter the organization, you're still an applicant. If they didn't ask you for your preferences ahead of time, it's because 
Honestly, it's not important to them at this point. So it's probably not worth it to make a big deal about it, but maybe get hired and next year when this event comes around, you can make sure that people with similar beliefs are represented. Um, if you're not hungry, don't eat, but it can be helpful just to have a plate. Um, if everyone else is eating, it can stand out if you don't. So have a plate, put a couple of things on it, and just carry it around. Um, same thing with drinking. If you do need to eat, find a table and park it with somebody so that you don't have to carry around two things and try to shake hands because that's super awkward. If it's a seated meal, then do your best to sit with your potential new coworkers because that opportunity to break bread together, to interact, is a great chance for them to see you as part of the team. And then when they ask for feedback later, um, when their bosses or the hiring authority asks for feedback, they're going to really feel like you were already part of the group and that's going to give you a better chance of getting hired. So now you've gone through all that, you're feeling good about it, what do you do next? Well, you have your list of all of the places where you applied with all their contact information. Now you need to systematically follow up. Pretty much everything recommends follow-up, but it's amazing how many people don't do it. So it is a place to distinguish yourself. Again, use your schedule. You don't want to bug them, but you do want to stay consistent. Remember to follow their instructions. If it says to email, don't call and vice versa, because that just really irritates people. Again, be really nice to the staff. The staff can do so much to help you out. When I applied to residency, the first year I had to withdraw from the match due to the needs of the Air Force, and so I did a year of general surgery. But before that, I had been able to interview with one of the uh, programs that I was really interested in. And the program coordinator was this lovely woman who took such good care of me, and she was just, I loved talking to her in the few interactions I had. She was wonderful. Well, the following year, I was able to apply again, and they rejected me. So I called and I asked her, I said, hey Liv, um, I got your rejection and I totally understand, but I thought I had done a pretty good job on the interview last year. So I was just wondering if I could get some feedback as to whether it was because my application wasn't good this year or if my understanding of how well I had done last year was just wrong. Can I get a little bit more information? And she put me on hold and she came back and she said, oh Mary, that was a mistake. Um, we got you taken care of. Here are our dates. We'd love for you to come for an interview. But her attention to detail and her knowledge of the program and the needs of the program were a huge part of why that happened because she knew the program had had their eye on me and she remembered me as being someone that she thought would be a good fit so she helped make that happen and which ended up being where i've trained for my orthopedic surgery residency so it was a pretty awesome um, interaction and i'm really grateful to her for being such a lovely person and keeping me on track with that there are also a couple pitfalls to keep in mind. If you're gonna do any kind of social things, alcohol is usually available. If you are not a drinker, feel free not to drink, um, but know that if it's a alcohol-involved culture, which I'm not, I'm not condoning by any means, um, you may have to explain that and it may get old. So it can be easier just to carry something in your hand and walk around and be social and not make a big deal about it. Um, but if you want to explain yourself, Feel free to do that, but your personal beliefs are yours. So it's up to you who you share them with. And sometimes it's just not worth it to explain yourself 46 times. It's easier to just go with the flow. And maybe it sounds like I'm making more of that than it is, uh, but it's amazing how it's okay to give people a hard time uh, for not being part of whatever the group thing is. And, you know, I can remember times when I was a doctor on call as a surgeon on call to the hospital and people would give me crap for not having a drink. And I just, I don't understand that at all. So it was easier just to have one in my hand and not mess with it than deal with people that thought they were clever. Um, if you do drink, then confine yourself to one or two. Uh, you do not want to put yourself in a position where you cannot make good decisions 
protect yourself or make sure that you're you can control your impression so you don't know this group of people you don't know their dynamics so don't put yourself in a position to not be able to control your decisions and and how you behave uh, because it's just not going to be a good thing it can be very tempting if they're a fun group and they're partying it up to be one of them but you are still the applicant hanging out with the group. You are not part of the group. And so if you do anything stupid, then that is more than likely going to hurt you. Um, Even if you don't, it can give people an impression that may or may not be positive, even if you were having a good time and everyone was having a good time with you. Going out and having fun, uh, that is your right. We're adults. It's it's good to go and have fun and blow off steam. Uh, but throughout the applicant process, it's really not the time for it. Once you get the job, then you can decide if this is a group that you want to have as part of your social circle. And along those lines is trying to have any type of sexual or romantic relationship with anyone you encounter. Don't hit on anyone during your interview. Don't hit on the staff. Don't hit on the interviewer. Um, don't hit on the other applicants. It's just not a good idea. You're here to get a job, not a date. And so maybe someone will end up being someone that is important to you and that's wonderful. Um, But right now, your focus should be on getting a job. Especially if it's someone who already works in the organization, this is a closed system. You don't know all of the undercurrents that are going on in in this group. And you don't know what the power dynamic is or whose toes you might be stepping on. So it's just not a good situation to wander into. But also, if you get the job and it doesn't work out, now you have this person that you have to work with in this totally awkward situation. Now, if you find someone you're interested in and you get the job, then now you have an opportunity to potentially pursue that and get to know them and get married and live happily ever after, if that's what you're looking for. But during the interview process is not the time. Now, if you meet someone and you really do feel like it's worth it, then that's great. But understand that you are making that choice to pursue the romantic relationship rather than the interview because you really can't do both. And then you need to think about what your deal breakers are. And it might be something silly or it might be something really serious. But you need to understand if you know something about this job is going to make you miserable, it is way easier to walk away before you take the job than once you're in it and getting a paycheck. So I had a job like that when I was waiting tables. It was a solid job, but I found out that two hours of side work every single night. And at the time, waiters made $2.13 an hour. So basically, two hours of side work not getting tips was working for free doing hard work. So I was not thrilled about that. But it was a busy restaurant with steady clientele, so I knew it would be steady money, so I was willing to put up with it. Well, then we actually started going through the onboarding process, and in their dining room, they did not allow the wait staff to use a full-size broom because they thought that watching people clean up after them would be offensive to the patrons. So they had this little mini broom so it was small and unobtrusive and it didn't bother people. Now, I'm a pretty tall lady, and so if you think about a full-size woman using a child's broom to clean up, to me it was just insult to injury. It was just too much. I I didn't like the idea that it was offensive to patrons that we were cleaning up after them. Just everything about it bothered me. And maybe that says something bad about me. I don't know. But I just couldn't do it. And so I quit because I was like, I'm not using the little baby broom. I just can't do it. Um, But the flip side is sometimes it is a big deal. So one of my residency interviews, now keeping in mind when you're applying for residency, I was getting ready to graduate from medical school. And so everyone I'm interacting with is already a doctor and is on their way to becoming an orthopedic surgeon. Well, at the interview, there was a guy who kept flirting with me. And that's obviously not appropriate, but 
you know, there aren't a lot of women and so you kind of stand out, so you kind of blow it off, but it wasn't that big of a deal. But that evening we had a social hour and he would not leave me alone. I was really, really uncomfortable and he knew I was married and he just kept hitting on me and, and making physical overtures toward me. And I was terribly uncomfortable because it was totally inappropriate, but I just thought about what it would be like for the next several years having to fight off his advances and then deal with his behavior when I rejected him. And it was just not worth it to me. And so even though I had paid to apply to the program, I had paid to fly there for the interview, I had paid for a hotel, I paid all this money to be part of that program, um, and I didn't even rank them. And that, so that's a really big deal for us because of, because of everything that goes into it and the odds of, of matching with the program. But I was so stressed about being part of that job with him there and having to deal with that for the next few years of my life that I didn't even rank the program because I would rather not have a job than have to work under that. So you have to decide what that is. I wouldn't have been able to tell you before that 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 was going to be an issue, but when it presented, it was pretty clear to me that that was an issue. So this week, take some time to think about where you are. You've set your goals, but when you did that, I bet you took your current job as an assumption, not an option. And it is an option. We have choices. We can make choices and we can make changes. Does everything about where you are keep you on the path to where you want to be? Now, maybe your current job isn't in your field, but it's providing income and stability for your family so you can get yourself squared away and get training for the next step. But if it's not doing those things and it's not getting you forward, is it the right fit for you? If it is, great. Stay the course. But if it's not, you need to take some time and think about what the right move is. Because I'll tell you right now, there is no good time to change your life. You have to make that decision and you have to push forward on it because it's never going to be convenient for you. So if you want to do it, you need to do it. That's been our discussion of getting your foot in the door on Level the Pursuit. Thanks for joining me and I look forward to your comments. If you like the lessons today, please give it a like or subscribe. But if you didn't, please comment on what I could do better. Next time we'll talk about how to create your leadership philosophy. You may think that you're not at a point where you need something like this, but I think you do for a few reasons. Your purpose is part of who you are. So although the details might change, for most people, your underlying cause really doesn't. So it's worth it to start defining it now. Also, it may actually help you in getting value and meaning out of your current job. Even if it's not what you want to be doing, it may be pushing toward your higher purpose, and so it might make you feel a little better about what you're doing each day. Finally, it's good practice. Taking the time to craft your words and then put them into brief, power-packed statements is not easy. So learning to express your mind succinctly is a good skill to practice. Don't forget to take stock of where you are and then read you your goals if you need to. Head over to www.levelthepursuit.com to share your insights and your successes. I can't wait to learn from your thoughts. Thanks again for joining Level the Pursuit. While we can't choose where we start, we can choose our dreams and how we pursue them. Remember, success is a team sport and there's room for all of us to achieve our goals. So be a good leader, be a good follower, and do something great. Mm -hmm.